He's 100% bad to the bone, and he knows a thing or two about Marty Robbins. George Thurgood is my guest next on the Red Dirt America podcast. His grandfather used to really tell him authentic stories about the Southwest, you know, about people like, you know, Wyatt Earp and all those people, because his grandfather was alive at those times. I pledge allegiance. I pledge allegiance. Pledge allegiance to real country music. This is Red Dirt America with Chuck Taylor. Thank you so much for doing this, man. I am a huge fan. Uh, my brother uh, introduced me to your music back when I was in high school, back in the uh, back in the mid '80s. And brother, so it's all his fault. <laughs> uh, and he, you know, like he uh, he had um, one of your he had cassette and he had a '71 Camaro SS, and uh, we were driving around in there, and he put he put on your music, and I just fell in love with this with your style of music. Well, Chuck, I've always been a I've always been a fan of your shoes. <laughs> a lot of folks sure are. I'm sure you've heard that before. Yeah, I have. I actually have some artists uh, who actually sign their old Chuck Taylors and send them to me to use uh, in my studio. <laughs> That's great. Well, let's let's talk about this. How's it feel to uh, to be able to play the Ryman? I mean, that is. You know, in country music, that's the mother church, uh, and, and it's legendary. Well, at first time I, I came, I was it was uh, I felt a little awkward about it um, because we don't we don't play country music, and to me, I was way behind the times with with the rhyme and thinking it was strictly. I'm still thinking of the, like the, uh, you know the, uh, you know Bill Monroe days and the uh, Patsy Cline days and things like that. So I didn't really get it. I said, what, what, what are we doing working there? I mean, I don't, I think I do two country songs and that's it. And I was informed by our people say, no, it's changed since that they have rock acts play there now. And I, they do. I said, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't really aware of that. I thought it was strictly a country venue. But when I first got on the stage, I was really um, almost kind of shocked that, that the reception we got was, they were all 99% classic rock people. Uh, so it wasn't a, a, a stone uh, country bluegrass audience, which that's what I thought it was going to be, and, and it wasn't. Um, they were. Um, they said there's. I, I just never thought there was a market for rock music in Nashville to begin with, because like again, I'm not from here, and I wasn't up to date about that. Uh, all kinds of different music. This, this is a major city, so yeah. they just don't rely on, on uh, one type of music. Uh, the, all types come through here. Um, you know, John Fogerty played here, and other rock stars. So that took me a few minutes, and then, then, then the second time I came out roaring, I, I, I realized what was going on. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, there's, there's a reverence when you're in that place. I know it used to be a church, but, but when you're in there, there's a love of music no matter what kind of music you play. Well, it's, uh, it was great because I got to use the same dressing room that Hank Williams used. Wow. Now that's something. That is. Did you did you feel the spirit of Hank Williams in that dressing room? I felt the spirit of Hank Williams since 1970 when I forgot it. Got my first Hank Williams record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what's your uh, What's your favorite Hank song? Oh, geez, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I, it, it, how can you say what, what 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 is your favorite Stephen Foster song? I mean, Hank Williams. That's a That's a tough one for me to. Probably Lost Highway is my favorite. 
It's a great tune. Great tune. Hank, uh, I mean, means so much to country music, but he means so much to music uh, in general. And, you know, guys like you who've, who've been around for, for years, you know, have the longevity, uh, as opposed to a lot of groups that come out these days that are flash in the pants. I mean, you, the Stones, you know, uh, lots of other groups like that, the Who, who just have this something special that transcend decades and transcend genres, you know, and Hank had that kind of thing, too. Oh, absolutely. Anything that's anything that's good is going to last. Um, there are things that are the flavor of the day, of course. Now, you mentioned me in some pretty heavy company, the Stones, the Who, and Hank Williams. <laughs> that's uh, well. I was telling some people today when we first started the the band. I said I want to get a hold of something here that's um, affordable and reliable. I, I, so I started thinking about is is. Is Ford still in business? Yes. Is Chevy still in business? Yes. Is Coca-Cola still in business? Yeah. Is Do people still like beer? Yes. So I thought, well, make sure you got something that's a stable like that, something that the, the club owners can say, this is something we can rely on. I mean, when you go past a store like an AMP, a mini market, you look in one window and there's an advertisement for Budweiser and the other window says Coca-Cola. Well, that's what gets everybody into the place. I mean, cheeseburgers have not gone out of style. Now, I'm not saying the Stones or the Who or, or Hank Williams are on that level. Um, they're on a much higher level than that. Um, if, 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 I'm a, if I'm a cheeseburger, the Stones and the Who are, are steak. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, both of them have never gone out of style. So uh, that was something that was a conscious effort on my part. Uh, to have something that uh, that would always work. That uh, I said, well, you know, this is as far as I can take it. Uh, besides, you know, my you know my family drove Chevys and Fords, usually secondhand Chevys and Fords. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that that was that was what we were after to begin with. Well, you've uh, one of the reasons we're talking besides your uh, your, your Grand Ole Opry debut is the. Um, the album that's out, uh, Live in Boston, 1982, George Thurgood and the Destroyers. Uh, this is a uh, four LP or two CD set. And uh, it really, in my mind, uh, captures that, that, seal, that feeling that you get when you go to a concert, right? Sometimes you get live albums that don't do that and don't transcend that feeling. This one does. Well, that's the idea. I don't think they would have put it out otherwise if they didn't know that was the uh, um, the reception the record was going to get. Uh, they probably saw heard something there, uh, or they wouldn't have bothered. It's expensive to put out records, and, and, and it's risky. It can be a gamble at times. And again, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted our, our band and our, our records not to be a gamble, something they could look at as, uh, you know, this, this is a sure shot. This is something we can't, we can't miss with. Uh, so they wouldn't have put it out otherwise if um, that wasn't the, the, you know, the ultimate desire, the, the desired effect, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. Y you know, you mentioned, and we, and we talked a little bit about your, your love of, of Hank Williams. Are there any other uh, country artists that, that you, you feel inspired by or, or you kind of love their music? Because to me, you know, a rock and roll guy like yourself loving Hank Williams, that's, that's, that's kind of unique. There's, there's not a lot of you guys out there like that. Yes and no. I agree with that to a point, Chuck. 
Um, however, just because uh, certain people have never recorded a Hank Williams song doesn't mean they're not huge fans of him. Uh, everybody, uh, everybody likes Hank Williams. Tony Bennett's first hit was a, a uh, Hank Williams song. Uh, so just, you know, that, that's a standard right there. Another artist that people call country, but I don't call him country. I just, I just call him Johnny Cash. Period. Oh yeah, he is who he is, and it's very hard to find somebody who says, "Well, I'm not a Johnny Cash fan." I mean, come on. I mean, that's you know. I used to say, if Johnny Cash wanted to make westerns, John Wayne wouldn't have a job. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, he's got a presence that's uh, undeniable, and. Uh, his songs are simple and they're, they're simplistic, but they last, you know, they last for a long time. And, but my main cat was, has always been Marty Robbins. Yeah. Uh, uh, he just does something to me. I don't know what it is. Um, his material, his voice, his sort of approach to it. But those are the three main dudes. And if you ask anybody, when you, you start and finish with country music, you start with Hank Williams and Johnny Cash and you end with Hank Williams and Johnny Cash. <laughs> So I'm, I'm not unique in that fashion. Do you think uh, the connection with Marty Robbins could be that he's a troubadour? He's a, a storyteller, much like yourself. I mean, you listen to you doing the story on one bourbon, one scotch, one beer, and you're just drawn in when you tell your stories or, or when you when you do Bad to the Bone or, or when you do any of those songs. You're, you're drawn into the story. And I, th I think you guys maybe have a kindred spirit like that. Could be. Um, I don't. Uh, I never really looked at it that way. But uh, hey, you know, eyes in the bowl, right? Beauty's in the eye of bowl. Yeah. So people might get that uh, feeling from it. I. They would say, well, you know, you're 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 country people. I, I would say, Marty Robbins doesn't play country and western. He plays western. Period. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a gunslinger. You know, that's what that's what Marty does. And uh, you know, he re he really wanted to. Be, he really wanted to be. Um, on the side, he wanted to be an actor, and he also was a uh, stock car enthusiast. He was he raced stock cars, so there was there was a there was an element to him, and uh, his background was the real deal. I mean, he grew up in Arizona, and his um, his grandfather used to really tell him authentic stories about the Southwest, you know, about people like you know Wyatt Earp and all those people, because his grandfather was alive at those times and related those stories to Marty when he was a little boy, and he remembered it all. And his parents um, were hard workers. They, um, they worked out outside in the heat a lot, and he wrote a song called Cool Water, which yeah. is about his horse, but when he was a kid, that was the one thing they did a day. They, they could get his, like a cold drink of water maybe once or twice a day um, when they were working, when he was young. So he took all these things and, and put them in his hip pocket, and then worked them into his songs later. And so, for lack of other terms, he, he was the real deal when it came to those things. He, he lived in the Southwest, heard these great stories from his grandfather, and put together some out-of-sight material that's still, um, that's still popular today. Man, you're, you're like this wealth of knowledge right here. On, that's awesome. I love this. His real name, is, uh, his real name I think, is... Um, uh, Martin Robbins, I think is his real name, and he changed it to Marty Robin. Marty, Marty is Robinson. This is his real name, Marty Robinson. And he changed it to Marty Robbins simply because it's it's shorter and sounds more like a gunslinger's name. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, so George Thurgood sounds like a gunslinger's name sometimes. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So if 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 they were if they were to make a movie and uh, somebody was to play you, who would you want playing you in the movie of uh, George Thurgood and the Destroyers? Oh, without a doubt, Sidney Poitier. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Okay. See, man, you know, you know how it is. Paul Newman's not alive. Lee Marvin's not alive. Uh, you know, James Coburn's not alive. So you know. City Portier has good posture. Okay, <laughs> there you go. And if that's the reason to have somebody play you, then Sidney Poitier is the the right person. Well, nobody's lost a mo- money on a movie by him yet. That's true. That's true. Let me. You're you're getting set to play the Opry tomorrow night. Um, do you have any pre-show rituals? Uh, when you or pre-show superstitions, this has got to happen. I've got to have this in the green, green room. We've got to do this before we go on stage. If somebody interrupts my nap, Chuck, that person is in trouble. <laughs> okay. I yap, but don't interrupt the nap. <laughs> got it. <laughs> um, what's your most treasured possession? Hmm. My daughter. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. Uh, I, I I would probably say the same about my daughter. Um, let's talk a little bit about music. Um, and and I don't want to do like origin stuff, but where did you discover your love of music? Well, it was just, you know, music was all around me in our house. We were one of the few people in the neighborhood that, uh, you know, we had a piano in our house. So we didn't have a television set. We had a record player. And that record player was cranked up 24 hours a day. If it wasn't my father playing some music. And we had a radio going when the record player wasn't. My uh, older brother was a big Elvis Presley fan. And he brought uh, a lot of Elvis Presley singles into the house. And... It was it was just like second nature to me. I, I didn't even think twice about it. Just it, it hooked me right away. It hooks everybody right away as soon as they hear music. Yeah. And so Joni Mitchell and I agreed. There's not a person on the planet. That, that, a lot of people don't like things. They don't like food. They don't like cars. They don't like movies or books. But you can't. Some people don't even like themselves. But there's one thing everybody does like is music. You can't find so. Oh, I don't like music. Well, that's that's ridiculous. And she said, even the the, the worst person in a, in a cave, uh, you know, or the person on death row, the worst person, everyone of them's got a song. Everyone of them likes music. It's all around us. So it was all around me when I was a kid. So I never really, you know, when, my brother used to bring these singles home and he'd put them on the record player. And then we'd put it on and us kids would gather around the record and we would try to get as close to the record as we could. I mean, our faces were right in the, the, the record player. It was one of those cons with a top on it, you know? Yeah. We would actually get our faces down near the record as close as we could and with our heads going around and around, 45, 45 RPMs. And my mother thought we were deranged. <laughs> <laughs> talk, about, talk about something that was drawing you in. You know, well, well, that's what happens when, when, when the band starts. Immediately, people go up to rush to the stage and or they run as close to the PA system as they can. Um, I've noticed that with just about everybody. And, and we, you know, it was like uh, if, if I saw the, the Rolling Stones on TV, my nose was stuck right up against the screen. You know, and uh, you couldn't get you couldn't get too close to it. I mean, Rolling Stones with long hair and 
there I am with my nose up against the screen and my my parents looked at me and say, gee, I don't know. Johnny and Pete, you sort of, they like, they like girls. What's our third son? <laughs> <laughs> so with, with all that being said, what song changed your life? What, what song just did it for you? It's the same song that changed everybody's life. It changed and it made some people's life. And if you would go to, uh, say, like uh, Chrissy Hines or Mellencamp or Tom Petty, rest in peace, or Bruce Springsteen or anybody from that era, the three words that changed the world and just exploded. I turn on the TV and there's these four guys and this one guy's got a, he looks really fantastic. He's got a guitar shaped like a violin and he's playing left-handed, and everybody's screaming, and he goes up to the mic and he goes, close your eyes, and boom! That's, that was it, that was it for everybody. And anybody of my generation who says that isn't true, they're lying. Wow, wow, that's, that is awesome. And, and the world has not recovered yet. No, no. And now the world is getting back to music after uh, a year without live shows and uh, a year of a lot of changes uh, in the way we do a lot of things. And I know that uh, the pandemic was really hard on the music industry in, in particular because people had to stop shows. A lot of artists had to stop doing what they love for their livelihood and discovering different ways to do it, live streaming. How did, how does this last year affected you and your music? Well, I can really think about it like the music, Chuck. I'm looking at the overall picture. I mean, I'm more concerned about the world's health than I am about my own music. Uh, let's, let's, let's get our priorities straight here. Uh, I didn't sit there and, you know, you know, I, I, every day I'm checking it out. What's what's this? This is a worldwide crisis going on, Chuck. You can't yeah. deny that. Uh, so I was a little more, uh, you know, I will say, well, are we still booked? But, you know, asking uh, our, our management almost a daily basis, how's the, how's the pandemic coming? Not always relating to what I do for a living. I really want to know. We want the world to be healthy first. Yeah. Okay? Whatever your job is. So I was pretty much more locked into that. And I still am. I got snakeskin mask. <laughs> snakeskin mask. That's cool. Yeah. That's How cool. cool is that? That yeah. is very cool. There you go. Is, 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 there, is, is there anything that you learned or picked up during, the, during this last year that uh, you, got you excited about? Maybe a new skill or uh, a new guitar or, well, snakeskin mask? <laughs> I've rediscovered swimming. Yeah? Yeah. When you're in the pool alone and it's salt water, it's, it, it, it's, hard, it's hard to get the COVID when you're swimming. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of rediscovered that. It's something I did a lot in my youth. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, there are certain things. I'm, I'm, I'm confined to headquarters, Chuck. I can't leave the, the thoroughgood, you know, compound. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of stuck in solitary confinement. So I wanted to make the most of it. And I kind of swayed myself to that um so so out of that something something good is coming from it i think i, I my doctor said never said hey george you're, you're doing too much swimming <laughs> right I, I don't hear too many doctors say that 
Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I... Why I, not? Well, Why be, not? Because I, res, I want to respect your time, man. I, oh, I, man, don't I, respect me so much. <laughs> Everybody's always saying that. I respect you, so I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, all right. All right. Okay. Thank you. But Listen, I got, I, can, can, I get a, can I get a special dedication in there? Yeah. All right. D- Dallas, Texas, right? We're in Dallas, Texas, a Lone Star State. Yes, sir. All right, Dallas, Texas. Let's see, Texas. Uh, uh, it's uh, home of Nolan Ryan. Yes, sir. Frank Robinson. Yes, sir. Lightning Hopkins. Yes, sir. Freddie King. Yes, sir. Sissy Spacek. Yes, sir. Um, Willie Nelson. Absolutely. Chris Christopherson. Absolutely. Janice Joplin. Yes, may she rest Johnny, in peace. Johnny Winter. Yeah. How am I doing so far? You're doing great. You're doing fantastic. You're 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 dead on. Okay. Well, uh, I want to pass on to my Texas brother, the great Jim Souler, world's most underrated guitar player and overrated sex symbol. But uh, having said <laughs> that, I want to dedicate this song to Jim Souler, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, Little Red Riding Hood, and I'm out of here. Bye bye. that I see walking in these woods. Why, it's Little Red Riding Hood.